When you hear technologies like blockchains uh, develop and you understand how they work, um, you can't help but feel that maybe this is the answer to, um, to this problem. And I'm referring to Cambridge Analytics and, and all the Facebook debacles and the way that we, uh, you know, think elections in the US were influenced and elections during the Brexit were influenced and all these, you know, shams out there. You're listening to the ramblings of the Freewe, and that stands for French and Kiwi, and that's me. I'm your host, Jean-Philippe Giel. In this podcast, I document my entrepreneurship journey building Symbionic Labs. I talk about the latest tech trends, AI, blockchain, Web3, the metaverse, AR, and VR. Most importantly, I talk about data ownership and privacy. I share my opinions, the good, the bad, sometimes ugly, but I always try to remain practical. If you're ready, let's dive in. Welcome, everybody. Uh, this is my second actual recording. I'm not sure it will be played in second position, but um, uh, this is really me getting in um, sort of blogging or vlogging mode, as we call it these days. Um, I realized that with our neighbors building um, symbiotic um, labs um, and all our projects, I kind of need to be a bit more active um, in the world. Um, and engaged with you um, could people about what we are trying to build. So here it is. Um, hopefully, um, this can help sort of build this small community of people who are like-minded or interested in what I'm talking about. Right today, I want to talk about um, you know, all these new tech. So I I am not an expert in blockchain technology um, or <laughs> As uh, I've seen written elsewhere, um, I could say I'm an expert since yesterday. Uh, this is probably the right way to talk about this. So I'm an expert since yesterday, and uh, I just want to sort of document where I'm at and, and this understanding and why I'm excited about um, this technology, what it can do uh, for the world. Um, and, uh, I, I've been um, a geek, a tech geek for uh, well over I don't know, 50 years, no, 50 years, I'm 52. So that would be 40 something. Um, because I got my first computer when I was uh, 13, um, roughly, I think. Um, and um, I think the guy caught the bug right then, um, or I had it already, because I was uh, interested in electronics. So um, I had a technology budget long, long, long time. Um, and, uh, you know, you get it through the pandemic and um, there's a lot of things that, that are happening in the world. Um, you kind of wonder where everything is going. You kind of realize the governments are um, ill-equipped to deal with things. You've got all these big corporate um, technology companies who are now um, almost like a country. You know, you have Zuckerberg uh, talks almost like he's the president of some sort of nation. Um, um, Steve Jobs and team now, um, let's say, um, not sure, but they're, they're all, um, you know, leading the world and they're competing away with government. So you kind of feel that there's something's not quite right. I mean, I would, um, I would like to think that uh, governments are good um, and that you need to be able to trust uh, the country in which you're in. I don't mean this to be a political discussion, but um, um, I'm a big proponent of democracy. Um, 
and um, not really friendly with anything that's uh, more autocratic. Um, but when you see technology like blockchain come up, and, I, and I've heard all the criticisms, um, it's not a it's not a very healthy thing to um, um, think of the blockchain as um, a tool to evade control or uh, government control in one side, uh, and that uh, you know a lot of criminal organizations are using it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, that's at least the stereotype that they would have you believe. Um, and it must have been true in some ways. And then today with Ukraine and, and uh, what's happening in Russia and all the um, restrictions on Russian funds, uh, you got to wonder how much of it is now channeled through crypto um, and, and, and tries to invade the AML uh, restrictions. But okay, that's not my point. I just want to talk about why I think blockchains are important and, and, and interesting in their model. So a part of the uh, want to evade government scenario, which I think will disappear because I think blockchain needs regulation uh, in some ways. Um, they need to be um, taken care of. Um, um, I think um, there's 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 an interesting scenario here because there are what I would call digitally native. Um, a digitally native means that we're we are living in a world that's increasingly, you know, connected to the internet, and then we're rolling out now technologies where the internet of things is going to be everywhere. You're going to have you've got all these cameras, all these sensors, all these devices everywhere around smart city scenarios, around smart, um, you know, agriculture. Um, um, industry 4.0. I mean, not to throw buzzwords out there, but they're an increasingly connected word. And and technology, infrastructure technology in terms of network is following. Um, we've got now 5G that's uh, rolled out um, in, in in urban areas. Um, it's not everywhere yet. I mean, just it's a bad case because we don't even have 3G in particular places. Um, I remember hunting dead houses in, in rural areas and having zero network and so I can't work from there because if you don't have network, how's that going to work at all? Um, but um, you know, these these things are, and, and now you've got satellite solutions with uh, Elon Musk's uh, Starlink uh, protocol being rolled out everywhere. So all these sort of internet deserts are disappearing and we're having now base infrastructure pretty much everywhere and that's a good thing because uh, you know uh, you can argue the evils of internet but there's a lot more uh, benefits to those uh, to that side so um, you know it's it's really been transformation of the last 10 years that um, you know people can have access to information the way they do and of course that access comes with responsibilities and 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 uh, you know there's a lot of people fighting to control that and um, you you know use that as a sort of coercive measures to understand what the population thinks and wants and and we've seen all the you know evil sides of what we call web 2 in the web 3 world which is be corporate owning um, data um, about their users and um, that data either getting hacked or mined or um, you know exploited in ways that uh, users weren't um, 
privy to or in agreement to um and i'm referring to cambridge analytics and and all the facebook debacles and the way that we uh, you know take elections in the us were influenced and elections during the brexit were influenced and all these you know shams out there um so when you hear technologies like blockchains uh, develop and you they and you understand how they work um you can't help but feel that maybe this is the answer to um to this problem and um um that that we are are going to see a new era of of technology that's going to be more in defense of the user um privacy and, and apple's a good champion of that although they still remain a big corporate that owns everything um but you can you can argue that compared to google probably um they monetize at least openly their data a lot less um, than google does um although it's uh in french we call it bonnet blanc et blanc bonnet the white hat and white hat and hat white <laughs> which means it's the same um so um yeah uh, back to my point i think uh, we are going to see an era where um yeah possibly the user rights are going to be defended a bit stronger and uh, there'll be less of those issues um, um, that we talked about uh, with Cambridge uh, Analytics and um, big uh, corporate tech owning all the data. And so, um, you know, more, more to this point, but I think um, interesting the development of something like a blockchain where you can actually um, have a very transparent, um, and doesn't mean you can't encode stuff on it, but a very transparent ledger um smart contracts um that record everything that happened with all the transactions uh, between the parties so you can actually understand that later on um but but also where uh, it's immutable which means that um you know once it's there it can't be removed um because it's distributed in a decentralized manner and that decentralization will come back on that as not always um fully achieved at this stage because this is a new technology and there's a lot of infrastructure that need to be built and there's always um you know arguments against that people saying well hang on if i own the majority of the servers or a majority of the tokens that gets on blockchain then i do all the decision um but another party that says well, well all these are urls pointing to storage of data somewhere on a server and if i own the server i'm the farmhouse with all the server um that i own the data and you know indirectly uh, although that you could be owning something that's really encoded and call action cracking um but yeah that these are all the arguments pros and cons um me i'm an optimistic so i look at this and i'm thinking well um yeah there's something there that's that's interesting and that's better than or at least tries to be better uh, from an invention point of view than the actual, actual existing model. So I don't want to break the existing model. That's not me. I'm not an anarchist. I don't really want to destroy government or anything like that. Uh, far from it. I actually think we need we need that framework. Um, uh, but uh, but I'm, a, I'm a technology state and a futurist uh, with, with an interest in those things, thinking that uh, actually there will be something good coming out of that. There's always been technology revolutions have been like that. Um, they always come with lots of, um, you know, uh, byproducts and, and negative um, sides to it. But hopefully, the good uh, overweighs the bad, um, and uh, 
and it's beneficial uh, in the end for, for people and for um, you know the way we interact with information um, through the internet. So more more to talk about, but um, yeah, interesting in that respect. Right. So what I am excited about all this uh, Web three concept and uh, technology, um, NFTs, all of that. Um, I already explained why um, I'm interested about blockchain technology, and that's um, for me it's about a business model. Um, how how this is potentially to disrupt existing business model by bringing what I call the digital native approach. So these these digital currencies, cryptocurrencies, are by definition uh, digital, uh, natively digital, and um, we can build um, different business models um, around around that technology. That technology of you know. Um, no need for a centralized validation process, no centralized authority. Um, it's um, all the different actors are part of a network peer-to-peer. Um, there are smart contracts that are automated. Um, uh, the governance of that environment is sort of automated um, around a set of basic principles. And so you were able to have this uh, on, on autopilot almost. Um, and so you can you can build a micro cosmos almost a micro economy um, uh, and uh, and that fits really well with the idea of a digital community uh, that is not necessarily all in the same place at the same time. See when we were making communities in the past, uh, obviously we had a commonality of time and place um, but here, we don't need to have commonality of time and place, and through the internet, we can be anywhere, everywhere. And that's what we've learned, you know. And, and for some people, came to this during the pandemic because you know they they were uh, had the opportunity to work online before, or um, and they never really made this their day-to-day uh, routine. So now that we've learned how we can sort of free ourselves from commonalities of place and time. And be with other people, uh, whereas there are in different countries, uh, etc. Then why not have this extension of a community uh, and actually have a currency native to that, um, uh, and and a way to uh, organize our transactions uh, together differently. So um, I think the next thing to talk about in that once you, once you've got this community is, is NFTs. So then what what are NFTs? The people think because of the press and media around, you know, crypto banks and all these um, sort of pixelated JPEGs is what people like to criticize them as. And they are so much more than that. Um, you know, people see, uh, oh, I don't understand NFTs. They're just some sort of pictures that got sold for millions of dollars. And it makes no sense because I would never spend that kind of money on a pixelated JPEG. Why would I, you know, digital, it's, um, you know, you can copy it. Um, I can have one, I can print it, I can put it on my wall. You know, I don't need to spend money on that. Um, it's free. So, I mean, that's the, you know, model in which we've grown up, most of us, anyway. Um, and so, uh, what NFTs have brought is actually, uh, first, of, first thing you need to understand is it actually brought scarcity to a digital asset. So, yeah, why would you want that? 
why would I want my digitalized asset to be scarce? You know, the, the very definition of a digital asset is it's digital and I can make uh, a million copies of it and they're all the same. The same quality, same design, same everything. So it's something I can replicate and duplicate as much as I want. Yes, uh, but the ability to attach a, a serial number to it and say, well, there are only 5,000 originals. It's interesting. And it doesn't stop you from copying it. That it doesn't matter. Why? Well, if say, say I'm a digital artist and I, you know, I make music or make, you know, pictures, graphics, um, or I take photos of you know, landscapes and stuff. And I'm looking for revenue. I want people to support me. So I need a community of ambassadors and people who are following me, right? So I got, you know, I go to web to model and, and, and social media that we all know. Instagram, Facebook, etc., and I create content uh, there where I can be copied and then people follow me, they love me, they think it's great. I put a link to my shop. Um, yeah, I get a conversion rate, maybe 1%, 2%, 3%. I have this big community of people who follow me, but I have very small conversion rate. Um, and I've got to keep advertising and it's got to cost because these big platforms charge me for that advertising. And so we've got a model that's kind of you know, working, but not working. I mean, it helped us to get where we are today, but it hasn't really moved and made this the big thing that it needs to be. You know, we think about the size of some other economies and the size of this. Well, the ones screaming it are the big social media companies. Um, and no disrespect, they've done a fantastic job. It's a great model and we wouldn't have survived without them almost um but but it's time for a transition um it's time for a model that puts the creator at the center of that economy um and so so there could be many more small artists living of their art rather than you know um, the situation we have now which is you know we still have uh, a lot of other creators that are doing this for free because they can't monetize it well enough to actually make a living out of it. So if you're a musician or if you are, you know, you don't have to go through a music uh, producer. And, and these days, technologies um, have done nothing against music producers. Um, they may still survive that, you know, and, and work differently, um, but we'll need to adapt. And so, you know, why, why can't um, artists just produce their own music? And so if you had uh, an NFT, uh, you, it's a token, let's say this is, I follow this musician, I have this VIP card, cut card from that guy. I buy this and it gives me a set of rights. So an NFT is not a pixelated picture, it's a rights holder token. And it's much more than that even. I'm just going to get into the details of it. And I, I don't pretend to know everything there is to know about it either. I'm just discovering this as, as, as I'm, you know, in my journey in the, in the crypto world. Um, so NFTs uh, are a smart contract um, on the blockchain. And they basically, if you've got an NFT in your crypto wallet, then you access an, a set of rights attached to that NFT. And these rights might be that you're entitled to listen uh, uh, first and to the new work that's produced by that artist. So then you're able to download those songs into your playlist. 
um, and that you have the satisfaction of knowing that by buying that NFT or buying this, uh, you know, um, digital token, you're actually, um, you know, supporting that artist in their in their work. So that's um, that's really a valuable thing. Apologies for that. I've had to uh, close the roof. Um, uh, the, the weather in New Zealand is um, it's really um, at this season, absolutely um, changing really, really fast. Yeah, just a few minutes ago, it was a bright blue sky and, and great sunshine, and, and now got this big gray cloud that's threatening. And uh, yeah, I try to catch as much sun as I can, um, being a Mediterranean, um, uh, you know, sunshine addict. Um, but um, unfortunately, this isn't the season for it here. We're entering, um, you know, winter here in the, the month of June in New Zealand. Um, so back to my NFT discussion here, and, and um, I, I just explained how NFTs are tokens and how they've got um, a smart contract attached to it, and, and, and it capitalizes things, you know. And, uh, and there's a whole uh, new <clears throat> wave of NFTs out there now that have got what we call that are what we call dynamic. Uh, the dynamic NFTs, and so you've got a, a set of attributes in that smart contract that can be changed once the the smart contract has been uh, minted. So you know, no, normally non-fungible tokens uh, uh, NFTs are something that is minted and is there forever. It's, um, but but as I guess it's a semi-non-fungible NFTs, dynamic NFTs, which are uh, something where you you can actually have a set of attributes that you can change. Um, and that's normal in a, in, a, in a smart contract. You can change you can change attributes, um, but here um, you know you have a right holder token, and you have some other bits into it that can be um, adjusted um, and changed. So I don't know. We can imagine applications for these. They don't all exist. Um, these are all technologies that are in the pioneering stage, um, and there's more and more uh, things that are being done from marketing perspective with NFTs. Um, you know, athletes and, and memorabilia attached to it and event rights attached to it and uh, first sort of mainly I would just look at those as a one a right holder um, scenario so you've got you know benefits attached to it um, and uh, two it's a, it's a connection with the community and a way to crystallize a community around something um, that um, you know, if you're trying to make a living out of something that you create, a content that you create, well, you are, you are in need of uh, being in touch with the community and, and understanding what their needs are, what that, how they enjoy the experience, uh, and what they want to see next. You know, sometimes it's a very iter iterative process, and and the artists feed themselves also from their fans. So you know, NFTs are that digital asset that allows for that connection to happen. Um, and because that connection is outside of time and place, again, and it's a worldwide global um, you know, connection, um, it's more a two-way conversation with your fans. Um, and that's why you've seen the rise of what we call the Discord servers, which is a, some sort of chat app but, but in a much more sophisticated way, they can, you know, you have this app called Discord and you open the server and then you've got all these channels inside. You can share content, you can go into different channels and do different things. And then you can run bots on those channels to kind of manage that 
and automate some, you know, like a macro scenario where you can automate um, things that happen in those channels. So um, there are a bit of a, if you go back to the, the days of communities, um, you know, people were opening these online community servers um, outside of, you know, I'm talking really early days of the internet. I don't know if this still exists, but they had this online digital communities where you could connect on a server and then you had a, you had a, a, a chat rooms and then you had a mail server kind of thing and then you you were able to post stuff i mean think of yahoo forums you know it's a bit like that in a way um anyway so um that just replicates this on a, on a blockchain scenario so that's that's um nfts and, and, and discord and community building and so it brings us to the whole Web3 discussion. What is Web3? Uh, you know, people say, oh, that's just vagaries that, that don't understand what Web3 is. Why do you need a specific acronym for that um, at all? Um, it's all the same thing. Well, Web1, and, uh, and I'm going to borrow some of the terminology uh, developed by A16Z. Uh, you know, some are against them and some like them. And, I think they've got the merit of, uh, as an EVC, they put their money where they think the future is. And, um, you know, that gives them a right to um, to build a bit of PR around that later on and try to spin it off. Because, yes, it is about if you've invested in something, you want to spin it off and see it succeed uh, so you can sell it and make an exit. Um, so, yeah, I'm aware of the, you know, capitalistic mechanisms behind that. I don't see, I don't think that's wrong. Um, uh, and, and just take it with a pinch of salt when you hear all the all the spin. Um, uh, there is no smoke without fire in that scenario. And then if they put their money there, it's because they do believe there is something there. Um, so if we look at web, web, what is web one? Well, it's the origins of the uh, internet and and the web in particular, uh, where we put you know HTML content. That's just a green scenario. I put all these websites up there, and all I'm doing on it is read information. Um, yep, that's okay. Web two arrived, and that's that's the event of uh, all these um, social media. So you can, yeah, now you have content, and now I'm able to comment back on it. So I can post post comments, and then uh, you know there was the start of all the blogging communities that people start. Yeah, I want to blog. Um, and and then I, I it's the beginning of building communities. So I, I kind of get in touch with my fans and I produce content for them and they comment back. This is in the free world. It's the freemium economy, right? We've, we've had all these acronyms back then. Um, you know, the freemium and when, uh, you know, we understood that if you were, um, and now it's raining. So see, I was right to quickly close the roof. Um, the freemium economy, uh, we will quickly learn that if you are, if the product is free, that you are the product, uh, <laughs> which meant, uh, you know, we're going to mine your data. Um, so we're going to just look at your behavior online and we're going to try to monetize and, and convert some of that, um, you know, information that we've gathered about you. So this is, this is web two, um, in, in a scenario where you had this concentration of all these social media and you saw the emergence of, you know, Twitter and Instagram and, and WhatsApp and all these chat platforms and these 
you know, where Facebook um, um, and Google came and went with their different experiments. Google's really funny in that respect. They always put up software in the last three, four, five years, then take it down and do something else. It's really an experimentation lab, but you know, I just, uh, I just, uh, I just failed to buy it and some of that stuff. Um, just, uh, I like everything they do. I was uh, very interested in uh, some of their, uh, you know, experiments. Um, but um, as an ongoing viable product, I, I just don't really use Google so much. I mean, I use Google Docs, yes, um, you know, and Google Drive sometimes. Um, but I'm not a big, um, you know, I kind of try to keep my uh, data away from Google, and I know I can't escape them, but I, I, I try to keep it away as much as I can. Um, so you've got all these big Web2 companies, big tech corporates, and we've seen all the, you know, issues that are that has actually uh, led to where, um, you know, the data gets hacked, um, your passwords out there, um, you know, and um, you act or mined or exploited in one way or another. So uh, there comes Web3. And what is Web3 conceptually? Because, you know, of course, again, um, it's a different um, acronym, but we're all talking about the same thing in its evolution. Uh, Web3 is an era where um, now the users are at the center of uh, content creation and um, <clears throat> the content is delocalized and then it's stored on, on servers and um, ledgers on blockchains and um, that's immutable, transparent and can be audited. Um, uh, you know, you go, you go and, and look at the details of blockchain transactions, they're open everywhere, you can actually uh, trace down and see which wallets uh, did which operation um, and it's a model where user gets remunerated or uh, rewarded or um, has the opportunity to monetize their content and their content creation um, and their data um, in a way that suits them so they can uh, you know ideally block it or or benefit from it um, so it's it's a different uh, so a lot of that is still to be built but that's the principle that um, people like proponents of web3 work towards um, now there's a lot of things that need to be sorted um, and and solved on blockchains um, that identity um, on blockchain and how to make this safe and secure um, and you know, people use uh, uh, crypto wallets at the moment the onboarding experience is poor at best um, there are many crypto wallets out there, not sure which one to use, the application that you want to use it on, maybe not recognizing that particular crypto wallet. You have to go to an exchange, you have to transfer from what they call fiat currencies. We're not talking about the car manufacturer, but um, actual dollars or yens or uh, uh, euros or whatever your currency is. And, to buy bitcoins or to buy ethereums or to buy one of those cryptocurrencies that you're interested in so you can then buy those stock tokens or you know um and, and participate in what you want to participate on so you need to have those on a wallet it's called a wallet it's an app in the end um but you transfer that money into your wallet it needs to arrive and then well from that wallet you hook that wallet up to your application blockchain application that you want to use and um, you buy that NFT that you want to buy or you 
transfer those those uh, funds into Ethereum so you can uh, buy those tokens that you want to buy, etc., etc. So it is um, it is a bit of a daunting experience. Um, the wallets are complicated. Um, they have all these crypto keys that you need to keep. Uh, you know this um, phrase that you need to memorize or write down somewhere or. And actually, be careful with that. <laughs> I'm not giving you any advice. I, I, I'm pretty sure that I might have forgotten some of mine. Um, I've um, opened four to five wallets. Um, put 50 bucks on it or 200 bucks on it or something like that. Just to understand the experience. I do not own any massive amount of crypto assets. Um, I bought a few NFTs to see how that works. Um, I, I did. Um, I follow a project which I think is uh, got a lot of um, legs, uh, which is uh, the guys at Fluff World and and what they do uh, and, and their centrality um, uh, ecosystem. And the guy called Aaron McDonald, um, quite clever. I like I like the way they're building. I like the way they're marketing their stuff. Um, so I did buy uh, you know Fluff and 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 a couple of um, assets around that in that ecosystem mainly to understand how that works and uh, mainly to experience that um get that user experience to uh, to because you you can't you can't talk about it and you can't um understand where the whole thing is going unless you've actually put your fingers into it um so i i did that i'm not very active i'm not planning to buy the whole world in there i'm not really uh you know i kind of a bit old-fashioned in that respect my funds uh, priority for spending goes to family and and uh, paying back my mortgage and <laughs> and uh, building uh, symbiotic uh, which is which is the project that I'm working on right now Symbionite uh, Q labs um, so that's that's really where I'm at so crypto is is this experiment that I'm looking at but um, web 3 is a bit of a promise at the moment it's that different ways it's we had read web one we had read write web two that's the a something z sort of mental model for this and now we read write own which is web three and ownership is is that dimension where you put a user at the center and, and content creator sort of mode um and I, I i like that concept so i bought into that concept mentally i am interested i think that's the right way to go um, and I think, uh, you know, it has implications all the way down to democracy uh, uh, in, in some ways. And you want people to engage in the democratic process of their countries and be more active and take part. Well, somehow this, off, this does offer you a mental model for that. As in, um, you know, people would have more of a participating role in the life of their country. Um, and so... I think that's got that's got some legs. So um, that's that's in a nutshell. Um, the you know my understanding of the world of crypto, um, Web three, NFTs, smart contracts, um, and um, why I think um, that's got it's got a lot of interest um, going forward um, to kind of change the way uh, things are done right now on the internet in a better way for people. Um, it's not this big communist ideal or anything, um, but um, you know we live in a digital world. I I believe we do. Um, you know, I know people want to disconnect and have a sort of uh, backlash of technology and think uh, 
you know, we need to uh, free ourselves from all of this because it's no good. Um, yeah, in some ways, sometimes it's good to disconnect, uh, but the reality is this has brought a whole new perspective and a whole new way to do things. Now, I don't want to fall into the dystopians, uh, you know, visions of Ready Player One, where everybody lives in some sort of bubble and monetizes what they do in some sort of game environment um, out there, whereas uh, you realize you're actually, uh, you know, controlled by a society uh, um, and sort of part as sheep into a... <laughs> Uh, and get you something to do uh, so you don't become a, a cog in the wheel so I'm a cog in the wheel <laughs> I tend to like doing that um, I, you know, I guess I'm French so my DNA goes to being a revolutionary cog in the wheel um, uh, but um, yes I, I, I really, I'm really excited about those technologies I think they've got legs and properly executed um, they, they are going to be um, uh, our future so here it is from me. You're um, um, hopefully you've enjoyed that. Um, it didn't go very deep into the technical side of things. That's not what I aim to do. I'm talking more vagaries, as says my um, my uh, opponents. Um, um, more vagaries from the Web3 people. Um, but uh, hopefully it gave you some sort of um, framework to think about this and make up your own mind uh, whether you like it or not. Um, uh, I, I think it's happening um, and. Uh, yeah, we all need to understand what's happening, at least. Thanks a lot for listening. Take care. If you want to find out more, just go to symbionic.com. That's symbionic with an I and a Q at the end. There you'll find all the socials and the different ways you can follow us. In the meanwhile, I would really appreciate if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a review. If you find this interesting, don't hesitate to share it with a colleague or a friend. That always helps spread the word. And that's all for me today. So I'll see you in the next episode.